Sometimes what we do in the pulpit can be called preaching. Other times what we do in the pulpit can be called teaching. Sometimes what we do in the pulpit is we just flow with the Spirit of God. And when I asked the Lord what he wanted for today, he gave me something for you. That means you're special. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, you're special. Say, God chose you to be part of this service. And something good is going to happen to you. Mm, yeah. Hallelujah. Go to Isaiah 54. sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus says the Lord come on some of you know this Jesus Jesus how I trust him how I've proved him all and Precious Jesus, oh, for grace, oh, for grace, oh, for grace to trust Him Isaiah 54, verse 1 and following. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, 
Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. And all the people said, Amen. So, I'm going to speak into our collective destiny from the subject. Get ready, get ready, get ready. That's what my bishop says. Get ready, get ready, get ready. I want you to look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, get ready, 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 get ready. Something is about to happen. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. So I started off today with the question, whose report will you believe? And of course, this gives context to our text because in the 53rd chapter, the chapter preceding this one, the prophet opens up with the question, whose report? Who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? In fact, have a look at it. I'm not sure if we can get it up on the screen. 53 verse 1, Isaiah 53 verse 1. So I want you to see this. Who has believed our report? And to whom? is the arm of the Lord revealed. Woo. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So the arm of the Lord is a metaphor for the power of God. Okay, the Bible ascribes human attributes to the Spirit of God. It is trying to help us understand things that are quite mysterious. But the arm, the right arm, is the symbol of strength. So, to whom is the power of God revealed? To whom is the power of God revealed? Because, see, the power of God is first revealed before it is experienced. And a lot of people never experience the power of God because they have not received a revelation of the power of God. But whenever you get a revelation of the power of God, you are about to experience the power of God. Because let there be light is the first order of creation. It's the first order. Which means that before God does anything with you, he will first give you a burst of light. And until there is a burst of light, there is no meaningful transformation. When someone says yes to God, it's because of the burst of light. When someone moves from poverty to riches, it is because of a burst of light. When they move from ill health to great health, it's a, birth of, a burst of light that starts that transformation. Which is why I don't just come to church. 
I get into the presence of God because I know that one burst of light can change my life dramatically. And there are things that you know, but don't know until a burst of light makes it real. The first order of creation is always let there be light. It is revelation. All creation starts with revelation. All transformation starts with revelation. Revelation actually means, it's the Greek word apocalypsis, which actually means to unveil or to uncover. As if something were veiled, covered, and then you roll back the curtain, which allows you to see what you couldn't see before. All transformation starts with a revelation where a curtain is rolled back and you can now see what you could not see before. That's how you came to Christ. You suddenly saw something that was always there, but you couldn't see it. Isn't that right? Revelation doesn't actually make anything. It reveals that which is already made. Because sometimes we fail to see what is staring in our own faces. But with revelation, now I see. Now I see. But the proof of revelation is expectation. Mm -hmm. If your revelation is real, it will create within you an expectation. Isn't that right? When a woman is pregnant, we say she is expecting. Isn't that right? She is expecting because she has within herself the evidence that a baby is being formed. When you have within yourself the evidence that something good is going to happen, you are expecting. And you are carrying in the womb of your imagination a possibility that others can't yet see. Is it making sense? There'll come a day when others can see what you're expecting or that you're expecting. But initially, you're the only one who knows. And so your smile, your joy is coming from something you know because you have in yourself the evidence that there is a formation. The proof of revelation is expectation so that anyone who is not expecting has not yet seen the light. Mm. I'm going somewhere good today. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, have you seen the light? If you've seen the light, you're expecting. However, the evidence of expectation is preparation. No one is expecting that is not preparing. Someone says, I'm expecting, but I'm not making any preparation. You're lying. Perhaps it's fashionable to say you're expecting. And you, want, you don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. You want to blend in. So you act like you're expecting, but the evidence of your expectation is your preparation. So let me start to break it down. If God reveals to you that there is wealth in your future, the evidence, the proof that that's real to you is that you'll start expecting it. And the proof of your expectation will be your preparation for it. You start reading the books. Oh, come on now. 
your YouTube habits change. Mm -hmm. Your goal setting changes. Your plan, your future visioning, it all starts changing. And you start making preparations because you're expecting a transformation that is coming from your revelation of what God intends for your life. No one is truly expecting anything that they are not preparing for. And the problem is that in the kingdom of God, which is spiritual fundamentally, although it is manifest in physical, social, economic, political structures, the kingdom is primarily spiritual and is governed by spiritual laws. And when it comes to spiritual law, until there is an expectation, there cannot be a manifestation. Because if manifestation meets unbelief, your unbelief has a way of undoing everything that God tied up for you. Because through unbelief, you talk yourself out of a provision. You get talked out of the provision. You avoid the process of the provision. You never step through the doors because of your unbelief. So where there is unbelief, there cannot be a manifestation of that revelation, which is why once revelation comes, yeah, I'm taking my time. Isaac said I could, so I will. Huh? When revelation comes, oh, this is a bit too meaty. I'm not sure if you're ready. The first thing that will happen is a violent division and subtraction of everything incompatible with the revelation. The revelation itself will start dividing and subtracting. So, well, really? Yeah, in the beginning. Let there be light. And God called the light day and the darkness night. Division. Let there be a firmament to divide the waters from the waters. Because in the order of God, division and subtraction comes before addition and multiplication. You don't just jump from light to addition and multiplication. You go from light to division and subtraction. And it is the light of your revelation that starts dividing things in your life. Because you'll never fly with the eagles whilst you hang around with the turkeys. And your very revelation will start to label people turkeys in your mind. You might not call them turkeys. You might not go up to them and say, you know what? You're a proper turkey, you know. It's not what's going to happen. But you're suddenly going to begin to realize that our values are not the same. Our goals are not the same. Our expectations are not the same. Where I'm going and where you're going are two different places. What you will tolerate and what I will tolerate are two different levels. You're going to begin to see difference and distinctions, particularly in the company that you keep. Can I hear an amen? Because the light of revelation is coming upon you. You're getting a revelation of what God intends for your future. And as you begin to see it, it begins putting in perspective everything that is in your present and it starts dividing and you find yourself having to get comfortable saying no wish I had some help in here today are you coming no can I count you in no huh you find yourself more comfortable not even answering the phone. Yeah. You find yourself relabeling people in your phone. 
Y'all need to admit this now. You find yourself relabeling people in your phone so that a name comes up to tell you don't even answer. Why? Because revelation, revelation is dividing. And it is subtracting. Which means it is taking things away from you. And the reason why some things have to be taken away from you is because they weigh you down. They are too heavy. You cannot carry them into your future. You have to lay aside the weight and you have to lay aside the sin that so easily besets you. And so you're now in a place where you have to lighten your own load and let go of stuff. Mm -hmm. Because the revelation is subtracting. It's dividing, it's subtracting, it's labeling, it's putting things into perspective. If you'd like an example of this, well, the great example is Joseph. Revelation. Woo! One day I'm going to be so elevated that even my father, mother, and brothers are going to bow down and say, wow, what a revelation. You would think that from that revelation, it was all going to be uphill. But no, the revelation takes you downhill first of all. Is this making sense? Because straight as a result of declaring the revelation, his brothers turn against him. Mm -hmm. His brothers try to kill the, the flame that God has set on fire inside of him and has anyone ever been there before where it's not the devil it's not the enemy trying to kill your flame it's your own brothers god i heard a come on from behind the the, the curtain is this is god is speaking to us here wow huh? <laughs> sometimes it is your own brothers because your flame your flame, your fire exposes mediocrity. Mm -hmm. it, it exposes carnality. It exposes so much when you are on fire. And so there's a division that takes place. Joseph is now divided. He's now experiencing subtraction. He's without the comfort zone. He's without the familiar faces. He's without the familiar voices. He's without the familiar language. He moves into an uncomfortable place. Has anyone ever moved into an uncomfortable place before? Can I tell you something about the uncomfortable place? It is absolutely the only place in which you will ever experience a miracle. Miracles don't happen in the comfort zone. Miracles don't happen in the familiar. Miracles don't happen in the secure. They happen in the unsecure, the unfamiliar, they happen in the uncomfortable and revelation will take you from a comfort zone to an uncomfortable zone. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Revelation will do that for you. But after God has stripped the paint off, stripped the old wallpaper off, because what God's not about to do is, is put uh, a new coat on the old wallpaper. That's not what he's going to do. He's not going to put a new coat on the old paint. He's going to strip it right down to the bare bone. And when you are down to the bare bone, no one has to exhort you to pray because you're only living. You're only surviving because you pray. You're down to the bare bone. And only when you're down to the bare bone will you ever find the courage to say, devil, is there anything else? Huh? You've taken this, taken that. I've already been hit so bad, I don't mind the fight anymore. See, what frightens us is not the punch in the face. It's the fear of the punch in the face. But after you've been hit so many times, you're like, okay, bring it on. God gets you down to the bare bone. Now he starts adding. Woo. He's now putting a new layer on. It's called undercoat. Don't confuse your undercoat with the finishing gloss. God's just putting a layer on. 
<laughs> and he's just priming you. And he's put I'm sound like a paint decorator now, right? He starts priming you. And now he's putting on the undercoat. And now we're beginning to see what you could be. You're beginning to see what you could look like. And then he puts the first coat on. And you look great. And if you're not careful, you're satisfied with just one a layer of undercoat and one first coat. But God says as much as you feel like you're ready, you feel like 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 a million you're not ready yet i'm still working on you i'm still doing something with you you feel like you should be elevated by now you should be promoted by now you should be visible by now but all you have is a dry undercoat because god's still working on you so he says, now let the, let the land begin to bring forth vegetation. Let the air be filled with flying creatures. Let the sea be filled with fish. Because what we're doing now is we're adding. We are adding. But everything that God adds to your life has within itself a seed. And the seed is capable of reproducing itself. Because... Because the miracle of multiplication is in the reproduction of the seed. The reproductive capacity of living things. Living things have a DNA and can reproduce themselves with genetic accuracy. So that there's not one of you anymore. There's two of you. And now that there's two of you, you have entered the possibility of the exponential. <laughs> and can I explain the exponential? You see, in, in, in the realm of addition, one plus one equals right. But see, when God is finished with you, <laughs> That one plus one doesn't equal two. One plus one in the realm of the exponential equals 11. Y'all ain't going to help. So you get to decide if your two plus two equals four or if your two plus two is going to equal 22. But see, God has a plan for your life that is so explosive that he will take your two plus two. And instead of giving the natural four, he gives you 22 and explodes your potential exponentially. And I did stop by to say that it happens very Suddenly. Yep, I'm about to preach. Don't worry. I've almost finished my introduction. And I know exactly how much time I have left because I'm being guided. You see, church, there is a miracle that I am believing God for. I might be speaking for myself. But before the service is over, I hope I'm speaking for all of you. There is a miracle that I am believing God for. And it is the miracle of multiplication. Because we can survive with additions. A little bit here, a little bit more, a little bit there. How many of you have been living in the realm of addition and you're getting tired of working so hard for a little bit more? You're tired of the result, uh, the result directly reflecting the work. Huh? That's right. Because see, see, we're told that your results will reflect the work that you put in so that you get out what you put in. But that's called addition. There's no miracle in that. That's what the sinner and the saint experience alike. Whatever the name of your religion, your philosophy, or lack of religion, what you, you get out, what you put in. 
That's not enough for people of faith that have a covenant with the God of creation. It's not enough that I get out what I put in. I'm supposed to get out so much more than I ever put in. And when Jesus talks about himself, he said, you know, I reap where I didn't even sow. I gather where I have not strawed. I expect not just, not just the average. I expect extraordinary, outstanding, and almost unbelievable. That's the results I'm looking for. Jesus was not here in the earth thinking, I'm going to start a little movement here. I'm going to have these 12 people headed up. And man, we're going to move. We're going to shake. We're going to shake Jerusalem. That's what we're going to do. We're going to shake it. We're going to shake up the land of Israel. No, he has got a dream. He's got a dream. And in the last stages of his earthly ministry, he says, go into all the world. Hold on a second. Jesus, are you, are, you, are you okay? Are you okay? Were you deprived of oxygen on the cross? Are you okay? Because the world is currently dominated by, by Rome and by soldiers who are barbaric and brutal and we are a colony and we are second class people and we don't even have permits to travel and we're not welcome in every zone but here's Jesus saying go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone what everyone oh you mean to the poor no I came to do it to the poor you preach to everyone What? That's, uh, that sounds like you're expecting not addition, but multiplication. You're expecting that one and one will equal 11. You're expecting that two and two will equal 22. You're expecting that us 12, come on now. You're expecting that us 12 will suddenly, suddenly become innumerable. Yep, that's exactly what I'm expecting. It's called the miracle of multiplication. <laughs> so what actually happened? I'll tell you what happened. Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to various people. And uh, in fact, like 500 people at one time, he said, it's me, I'm here. Some of them believed, some of them did not believe. Some thought, well, this is an apparition. This is a ghost. This is not real. This is all orchestrated. But some people did believe. And those who did believe, of all the people Jesus appeared to, were 120. 120 people believed Jesus had genuinely risen from the dead. He is the promised uh, Messiah. He is the seed of Abraham and David, he is the one that we were looking for. Yeah, we didn't realize he would be crucified, uh, but he's now showed us that the whole time the plan was his crucifixion and resurrection. Now we see it, we believe it, we've seen him, we've touched him, we've talked with him, we've walked with him, we've eaten with the resurrected Lord, we are convinced we are convicted and there's only 120 of us. And he told us to wait in the up in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills us with power. So the other the rest of the the the, the of the 380 that that don't really believe and not really sure, they can go anywhere they want. But because we are convicted, we're going to wait for the power. And as 120 of them pray in the upper room just waiting for the power but they weren't just waiting for the power they were they were setting things in order y'all ain't gonna help you don't have to they're setting things in order what are they doing they're establishing a structure a structure an infrastructure, a leadership structure, a working structure in which each of the apostles have roles and responsibilities. For what? For what we know is about to happen. We know something big is about to happen. 
So we're going to start dividing roles and responsibilities. We're going to plug gaps because there's a gap because the foundation of anything that is kingdom is 12 and there's 11 of us because Judas left his place and he has perished in his own deception. And there's a vacancy. So let's fill vacancies while we're waiting on the power. And they're like Noah building an ark and it's never rained. But Noah builds the ark because he has revelation. The revelation has created expectation. And the proof of his expectation is his preparation that for 120 years he is building for something no one has ever seen. And the apostles are doing the same. Plugging gaps, filling vacancies, determining roles and responsibilities. For what? You had 500 who physically saw him and only 120 of us actually believe and you're now making preparation for the growth of a church he's gone to heaven now we're not even having the benefit of the physically seeing him are you sure you want to get into this church stuff and think about it but the 120 are convicted they're praying they're waiting for the Holy Spirit and when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were together in one place with one accord because it's it's not good enough to be in one place you have to be on the same page in the place because if we're together in one place but divided God cannot build on that foundation God cannot build on a cracked house a divided house he will not build upon it instead he will give you a time to repent to get your heart right to get your mind right to love people again and to, and to, and to humble yourself he'll give you time but if you exhaust the time all that happens is more division and subtraction you fall off because God wants a foundation he doesn't need a whole lot of people he just needs some people in one place with one accord on the same page who have an expectation because of the revelation and they're ready to make the preparation for something big that's about to happen they believe something big is going to happen we're not going to fold our arms and wait and see there are too many wait and see folks too many wait and see folks you're just gonna wait and see spectators is what they are we should you know during the pandemic we had sections of the church we said if you want to socially distance you can stay on that section that's the section for the social distance people but you know what we really need in church is the spectator section uh -huh. where you could just watch what happens because there's different kinds of people in the church there are the people who watch things happen but then there are the people who make things happen Ooh. and then there are the people who wonder what happened just like what what is that the move of God what what? People got saved? What? I didn't even realize it. Oh, wow. I think I'm going to go to church next week. Because, wow, it's just a move of God. I didn't even know. Here's the reality. God wants people in one place with one accord. That means you're on the same page. And if it takes 10 days of prayer to get on the same page, then we'll pray it through until we get on the same page. But now we're on the same page. The day of Pentecost has fully come. And now that they are praying in one place with one accord on the same page, now comes a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and it fills all the house where they are sitting and now when they look at each other they don't see ordinary people they see supernatural people because upon their heads there are tongues of fire I'm looking at you used to see you as an ordinary regular person but now I see a flame of fire upon your head I see the anointing upon your head I see grace upon your head I see favor upon your head I 
see a crown upon your head. I don't just see brothers and sisters. I don't see flesh. I see the anointing resting upon the heads of chosen, of a chosen generation. You know, we got to get to the place where we see the royalty that is inside of each of us. We see the crown, the glory, the favor, and the power that's sitting on each of our heads. And I look upon your head and I see glory. I don't just see brother so, sister so. I see God all over you. Now that I see God all over you, he's now changing my language. I wanted to say, hey, how are you? But another language came out. I wanted to say, how you feeling, brother? But another language came out. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking with other languages as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And now they are intoxicated with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, can I talk about intoxication? For just a moment. Because the number one evidence of intoxication is that you lose your inhibitions and you begin operating without inhibition. Whereas when you are sober, you dare not step out into the middle. When you are sober, your body language is closed. You know what closed body language is? It's where you are subconsciously protecting your vital organs. So if someone's nervous and they're giving a speech, you may find them playing with their cufflinks. There's a famous guy that does this. Playing with their cufflinks. What are you doing? You're just subconsciously creating a barrier. And if there's a lectern, you love it because it's my little safe place. But when you're in, and, and, oh, and, and when you're sober, you'll dance all right. But it's got to look cool. And so, you know, Church is rocking, but you're like, because there's two steps in church. You know, everyone has the church two-step, and we just, you know, just keep it safe. Keep it safe. There's always those people who are not playing it safe. They're not really concerned with the look, you know, because they're not dancing for you. They can't see you. They don't even know you're there. All right? And whatever the makeup, it's okay for God to break it up. Break up my makeup, God! You don't mind because it's not for others, it's for him. And so when a person is intoxicated by the Holy Spirit, they are free to operate without inhibition. And when you are free from your inhibitions and you are free from your fear and from anxiety and from worry or concern about people's opinions, their comments, their gossip, their mindset, you don't fear it anymore. Now you're an instrument in the hand of God and God takes you out of that upper room. Yeah, because he got to take you out of the comfort zone because in the upper room we all know each other we've been together and we're not afraid of each other but eventually he takes you out of the upper room and brings you into the public square and into the public square he doesn't give you a chance to fix up but you stagger out of your upper room into the public square and they look like they're drunk Peter has to say we are not drunk as you suppose. He didn't say we are not drunk. Y'all ain't going to help. Peter did not say we are not drunk. He said we are not drunk as you suppose. We're not drunk the way you think we're drunk. We haven't been drinking your stuff. But we have been drinking something. It's called new wine. 
It's called new wine. It's, it's, it, we've been drinking from the fountain that will never run dry. And yes, we're feeling a little high, a little intoxicated. We've lost our inhibitions. We're not afraid of you. We're not afraid of your face. We're not afraid of your opinion. We're not afraid of your feedback. We're not afraid of your commentary. We're not afraid of your likes or your dislikes. We're not afraid to be unfriended by you. We're not afraid of you because we've been drinking from the fountain that will never run dry. And now I'm going to tell you something, whether you want to hear it or not. This was the mindset of these 120. And they've come out and said, now we're going to tell you something, whether you like it or not. Whether you believe it or not is up to you. But we're going to tell it to you. We're going to discharge our responsibility and tell you that Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified but just 50 days ago, he is the one. The one and only answer to your very prayers. Without him, you have no future. You have no destiny. You have no hope. You have no God and you have no glory without him. He's not dead. He's alive. Check out the grave. It's empty. And he's he's so cool that when he got up from the dead, No such thing as a messy Christian. Y'all ain't going to help. Y'all need to get saved. Talking about your Christian. Look at your bedroom. Jesus wouldn't leave a bedroom like that. He just laid it out. They're preaching he's alive. And no doubt people say, well, show, show, show us. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? It's very simple. He's in glory right now. He's, at, he's, he's taken his blood to, 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 to the most holy place. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He is the one that is the propitiation for our sins. He's the one. He, he's, he's, he's up. He's not here. But if you really want to see him, if you want to see him, then bring the sick, bring the lame, bring the halt, bring the maim, bring the blind, bring the broken, bring the oppressed, bring the possessed, bring your most difficult cases because we'll lay hands on them in the name of Jesus Christ and you'll begin to see his power and his glory working through us. Yeah, you can't see him physically, but you have us. So here's what happened. That day. I might be preaching to myself. Mark, are you still here? Or Isaac, are you all guys here? I need thee. Oh, I'm going to need thee. Not quite like that, but just, 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 just don't leave me right now. Because we, we're going to do something big here today. All right, don't play yet. Please, just don't play yet. I just want to know you're there. I'm, I'm comforted now. You're there. Got people behind me. You can't see them, but they're behind me. That's right. I've got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rename Isaac and Mark as goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Watch this. <laughs> so look what happened in one day. Remember, 500 dwindled over 40 days with physical Christ there. But in one day, the church went from 120 to 3,120 in one day. Oh, yeah. One day. That's called exponential.
exponential, miraculous multiplication that is a miracle from the Spirit of God. And so I have a dream. And the only people I want on their feet are those people that are ready to dream with this crazy Noah, ready to dream with this crazy preacher, ready to dream with this apostle that in our day, God can take us from where we are to a place we have never been by a sovereign act of his power. And if you believe it, I want you to clap your hands, lift your voice, make some noise, let the devil know that you believe God. Not convinced yet, not convinced yet that we've crossed the threshold of crazy. I know I've crossed the threshold of crazy. I am so crazy that I believe in a moment, a flash, this majority will become a tiny minority lost in the crowd. Come to church looking for someone you know. Oh, there's someone I know. That's, I've, I've, I've crossed into crazy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because I've had a revelation of God's intention for this generation. Give me just a minute more or two, okay? So I'm going to shock you now with this one. So I'm like, oh God, but what are you going to do with us? You're really going to burst the ministry out to where you're walking in and don't know anyone's name. Looking for someone you know that you used to know. Oh, I see Grace over there. Oh, there's Warner. Let me get through this crowd and go find one. Oh. I said, well, what are you going to do with us? Here's what God began to show me. God showed me that all of us, this whole thing, is a seed. <laughs> and what that actually means is that this is a pool of potential. And that all of you are loaded with talent. That ain't going to help. Everyone under the hearing of my voice, you are pregnant with purpose loaded with talent but you've been hidden under the waters and you've been hidden under the fear of criticism and you've been hidden because of intimidation and inhibition but God said he's about to activate everyone's potential so that before you know it you will be a leader Ooh. you will become a leader in what's next because you were chosen to be first so that the next would have you as and the next going to need you you know why the next is going to need you because the next is going to face giants that you've already defeated. <laughs> and when they get discouraged, you're going to say, stop. Stop crying. You're going to say, just like my parents' generation would say to us, stop crying. Stop crying. Before... I give you something <laughs> to cry about. <laughs> you see, in my day, stop crying was not a comforting thing. If you heard stop crying, you'd cry more. <laughs> but you're going to be there and say, stop crying. 
I know. I know it hurts. I know what you're dealing with. I know what you're going through. I know. Stop crying. God is making you a leader. God is making you a warrior. God is making you a master. He can't make you if he can't break you. He can't make you if he can't break you. He can't mold you if he can't break you. So I just want to know, are you ready? Are you ready? How much time I got left? Am I totally out of time? Totally out of time. Isaiah 54 said it this way. And just go back over and read it. Sing, O barren. What? You're barren, but you're told to sing. Break out into singing. You have no children. You never had a child. Sing. In other words, what I'm about to do has never happened to you before. You're stepping into new. He says, sing. Break out into singing. Because more are the children of the desolate than of the married wife. In other words, how it normally happens is not how it's going to happen. I'm going to break all the rules for you. I'm going to do for you what's never been done before. Because it's me, God, that's going to do it. It's not you that's going to do it. It's God that's going to do it. The apostles did not win 3,000 souls. God added to the church. Then he says, your job is not to figure out how. When I give you revelation, don't sit there figuring out how. That's a big mistake. What is it? Don't how God. <laughs> don't be how God. You're gonna have you're gonna have all these children. How don't how God? Zechariah did that, lost his speech. God said, You need to shut up, bruh. You're gonna talk your wife out of the situation. Shut up. Zechariah couldn't speak till the baby was born. Don't how God. Your job is to enlarge the place of your tent. Make room for what God showed you is about to happen. Stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. Don't spare. Spare not means take away the limitation. Begin to make preparation for the manifestation of your revelation. Lengthen the cords and strengthen the stake. You know what the stake is? It's what you tie the you tie the cord to the stake. So now we have to pull up the stake, bring it way out here, bang it down, strengthen the stake, lengthen the cord, stretch out the curtain. What does it mean? It means build a bigger house. Build a bigger house. Build a bigger house. I speak to everyone under the hearing of my voice. Build a bigger house. Make room for what's next. Make room for what's new. Make room for more. Somebody say more. All right, lift your hands in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So sweet, Holy Spirit of the living God, we receive the revelation that you are sending what is next into this house. You are sending by the winds of the Holy Spirit. By the four winds you are sending souls into this soil. Kaboshata. And because we believe, we are making preparations right now. God, we are making preparations right now. We're calling everyone out of the bandstands. We're calling all hands on deck. We are calling for a re 
renewal and a reinvigoration of energy. We are speaking energy into the body of Christ right now. We come against fatigue. We come against inertia. We come against every spirit that would seek to wear out the saints and we we prophesy a renewal, a refreshing, a revival, a recovery, a restoration. We speak it into hearts right now that there shall be a renewal of strength and the joy of the Lord will be our strength and there will be peace even in every valley and there will be healing and wholeness and every wound will become a scar where there's a memory but no pain. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, raise up a house that is ready to receive the blind, the halt, the maim, the lepers. Raise up a house that's ready to receive what is next. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name.